This week on the Podland Trailcasters. Heath McHip, audio's there. Get to work. We're no longer just talking small sample. We can start judging things and start assessing because this is a fair-sized chunk of small sample basketball. Keith, or uh, Tip, I get See it. See how much he wants to yell at me, though? Who was the comp that everyone gave him? Right out of the gate. I mean, I gave him Scotty Pippen. Everybody gave him Pippen, right? Because yeah. he's, he's <laughs> he wearing gave the him Chad's always like, what are you going to talk about today so I can tease it? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll talk about it when we go live. I used to sit in there with Chad and Eric or Brian and Eric for a half hour or even an hour before show sometimes, and you're going over topics. You're 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 saying, oh, I want. Oh, I do that too, but still. Yeah, well, you, you know, you don't take notes. You're you're much more of a of a Brian no, and I'll be. I the, do. This, I, I am more. I think I am more of a Brian no. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to say those exact words, and oh, I missed a word, and now oh God, I'm screwed. Boom goes the dynamite. There's gonna come a day where nobody's gonna know what a point guard versus a shooting guard is that's what it was kiki montreal <laughs> that is definitely his tripper name all right friends chris go get some sleep tim come and join me on dvd i gotta get up in four yeah, hours go, go play with chucky bro i don't dude i want to get chucky so i was bad. playing with him while you guys were chit-chatting <laughs> dude, did you i got up so, you really? i got up halfway through that podcast grabbed my wallet bought chucky and played around <laughs> I, I know exactly when that happened. <laughs> Kobe Bryant, totally a point guard. Hey, look at that. Two Mike Fratello references in one podcast. Don't think that's ever happened before. Like most of the time, it's like good cop, bad cop. You ever feel like that when we're talking with Keith? So so you two are the good cop, bad cop, and I'm like the, the, the junkie in the witness chair. Is that what's going on? Is that... No, I'm here. I wouldn't say you're a junkie. More often than not, you're an innocent bystander who gets caught in the crossfire. <laughs> there you go. I'm this I down. wasn't a part of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long-ass pod, too. This will definitely be two episodes. I literally came in just to say hi, too. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Hello, Rip City. To all of you ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, whether you are in town or out of town or in any corner of these worldwide interwebs, welcome to episode 227 of the Podland Trailcasters. And thank you for tuning in. The voice you are currently hearing is none other than the not-so-vanilla Hood River Gorilla myself. That would be me, Keith Feltner-Smith, and this is part two of last week's record. If you've listened to our last episode or the one before that, like a month earlier, we've been having some less frequent recording sessions thanks to schedules and to my personal tech issues. But that means we've been having massive recording sessions. And instead of dropping megapods on you like we used to, I've been cleaning up and breaking them down into a few smaller, more digestible pieces for your blazer's bellies. The way I think we're going to be working for now is part one is usually going to revolve around love, hugs, and hate mail, our around the NBA and more type of segment where we can have some fun venting about whatever and maybe discuss some questions from you listeners. So send us your topics for some love, hugs, and hate mail. Or I've got to say, if you're not on there with us yet, my dear listener, 
what are you waiting for? You really should come and join us on the Trailcasters Discord. You can come and get involved with live episodes of this pod, those mega episode recordings that I'm talking about. You could be part of that. You could come and hang out with myself and Chris and Tim and a number of other podcasters, other content creators. We've got Sean Hyken in there as well. We've got professional analysts in here on the Discord, other local artists. We've got shirts, stickers, pins, flowers, and more all being sold by Blazers fans just like you. We've got the third bench ticket group if you want some cheap and quick and flexible access to games with awesome other fans we've got game night chats in the discord if you can't make it to the games themselves a ton of non-blazers chats as well around movies video games other sports reality tv pets food anything and everything all by fans of the blazers for fans of the blazers like you like me friends the link is in the episode description pause the podcast now right here at the start go click that link come and join us say hello i'll send you a message as soon as i see it and we can wave and, and chat and get to know each other then come back and listen to the rest of this episode but either way whenever you do it come and join the discord the link is in the episode description then after that we get more into our blazer centric basketball banter and that is just too important and deep and rich right now with the young squad to share space it needs its own episode so that's what we're going to do so here is part two where we cover the defensive styling and the coaching credit we check in with our guys as we near that 20 game mark of the season and then we get to a handful of listener questions all of that and more coming at you right now please enjoy on to some actual Blazers basketball talk. First thing on the list was going to be the in-season tournament. I think we've covered that at this point. But another change this season, another change specifically for the Blazers, and a drastic change of that has been the defense. We are no longer a team built around a Hall of Fame three-point sniper and lacking all defense. We now have, I think I saw last 13th defense in the NBA with 29th offense, so have completely flipped our offensive defensive rating so far this season 20 game sample size checking in on all things blazers here you know because the 20 game we're what this is 20 to 25 percent in we're no longer just talking small sample we can start judging things and start assessing because this is a fair size chunk of small sample basketball what are you guys thinking how do you feel about the shift do do you enjoy watching the defense this year are you missing the three-point shots where are you at tim i mean that's what Chauncey said he was going to do, right? Turn this team into a defensive team. That's a fair point. Got to give him props for that, whether it was all him or not. Uh, I personally think it's the roster that made the difference. Um, am I missing the three-point shot? Of course, man, because it's exciting. Hitting that many threes, putting up that many points is exciting. But I love defense. I love being able to hold a team to under 100 points. I love that we're finally playing defense for the first time in over a decade. And, you know, they say defenses win championships. And if you can start with that as your building block, you can find three-point shooters. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the defense has been good. It's the only thing to me that I question. And and maybe I'm jumping ahead here. I'm, you know, I got to get to bed soon. You're good. um, (laughs) I don't... I struggle with if the and and Tim kind of alluded to it, but it, but I struggle with if the uh, progress we're seeing on the defensive end is Chauncey or if it's just the fact that if you give a guy 
uh, like Tumani Kamara, 30 minutes a night, he's going to develop. If you give Shaden Sharp 30 minutes a night, he's going to play better. And I want you to look at the roster realistically and who have been the best defensive guys, right? Tumani. Uh, please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been Matisse. Um, it's been DeAndre Ayton, who's a better defender than, than, than uh, Yusuf Nurkic. It's been Tumani Kamara, who was a defensive player. I think people knew that coming in. And then it's probably been Jabari Walker, who a lot of people Oof. had talked about uh, last year when he was drafted, that the way he was going to get on the court was through his defensive play. So it's guys who are already defenders. So is this... Is, is this really Chauncey implementing his system? Or is it that you have bodies and guys who are good on the defensive end? I, I will argue this one uh, till I'm blue in the face, guys. And that is the fact that defense is the one thing that you either have it or you don't, right? And it is the hardest thing to get better at. So if you are Tamani Kamara or you're Jabari Walker, Matisse Thibel, guys who are really, really good defenders and put time in on that end, uh, then it's easy because you get in on the court, then you get those situations and you develop on the court. As we're saying, like a, like Nasir Little, for example, right? Came in with a busted shot. It's easy hmm. to become a better shooter because yeah. I can walk into any gym with a basketball and I can take shots. I don't need a coach. I don't need another player. I don't need five on fives. It can just be me, the ball, and the rim, and I can work on my shot. You can't walk into a gym by yourself and go, okay, well, work on my defense today. <laughs> Especially All right, like NBA level defense yeah. and NBA pace. Hands, like hands wide, low right. athletic base. <laughs> move to the right, move to the left. Oh, look at me! I'm becoming a better but, uh, defender. But like, that just hand, that just doesn't that just doesn't happen. On the same hand, Chris, I also feel like defense is ninety percent effort, and I feel like there's just a lot of maybe there was a shift at some point in basketball in general where people were or players were more focused on. The offensive end versus the defensive end. There's a reason why a lot of games are going up into the 120s. I mean, part of that is the prominence of the three-point shot. But oh, yeah, the, Cur- the Curry era. The three-point shot, yeah. and, the, right? and the rule change with with, uh, with hand guard, right? Yeah, or, uh, which I absolutely in. hate that. But uh, I think a lot of times, like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be close to league average if you're out there putting in the effort. And that's one thing that always drove me nuts with Dame is it just seemed like he wasn't he wasn't really trying that hard on the defensive end of the of the ball. Like offensively, he's a virtuoso, but maybe it was that he was expending all his energy there versus uh, on the defensive end. But like you know, you look at guys like James Harden where they were they're just completely offensively focused and they don't put in the effort on defense i i'll stick by it whether i'm right or wrong but i still think that defense is 90 percent effort you not saying that you're gonna be uh, uh an all-star defender but you should be around league average if you're putting in the effort to, to Chris's point about the, the roster construction, and, and to a lesser extent my point too, is that I think it's it's has more to do with the guys on the roster than it does with the coaching at this point in the season. It also makes me wonder what Terry Stotts could have done with some of these guys on the roster. I mean, we saw what Terry Stotts could do with it, because look at what he did with the roster with uh, Maurice Harkless and Alfaro Camino on it. I mean, when he had the bodies and guys that would hustle, he put together decent defenses. They were I mean, decent, was, but they, you they, didn't have good defenders like they have now. 
You didn't okay, have what, 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 what did what did what did what did Terry do with the team that was Dame and Wes and Nico and Lamarcus and like? Well, like, that's a good point. I mean, they were they were a great team. Well, maybe I shouldn't say so, great. They were a very good team. They, they had potential. Well, to I mean, be great. you gave you they, give you give him good guys who are good one on one defenders. He was able to do coach defense. Uh, roster does suck though, right? Like, I mean, okay, I got I got Dame and CJ. Have, right, have fun. Have fun, right. and the, and that's not even and that's not even a knock on on Dame or CJ. It's just both of those guys were so good and cerebral offensively that if you expend all your energy on the defensive end, where's the energy to be the great you know shot creator and step back guy, and especially a guy like Dame, who I mean, to have that range, you need your legs, right? I forgot your your question, Keith. No, but, you're good. It's, I've fallen yeah, down this rabbit me. hole, and all I'm thinking is. This roster is fun, and we have guys that actually play defense, and that excites me. The offense can come later. Yeah, the, the, the question, believe me, is way less important than the conversation. I did hear you. You're talking about roster. Uh, I'm talking about, I think, the good defenders you guys listed off, talking uh, Tumani, Tease, Aiton, Jabari. How far off is Scoot from being included in that group of, of like good defenders or kind of our, our, our core defenders, if you will? He's a ways He's out. got a minute. He's got. He's him. got a minute. Is that just because he's only eight games in? Because we're seeing him try hard on defense. He puts in. He's almost getting in trouble because he's putting in too much effort. Like you're talking yeah, about the effort, a, Tim. He's, he's he. There's there's been clips though, man. He bite he bites easy uh, on mm-hmm. on head fakes and pump fakes and uh, there's a there's a there's a knowledge base there that he's got to build up uh, a little bit. I think At least he maybe he's working like on his I, Like I'm not. I'm not out on scoot there's a lot of people who are after eight games and here's the biggest thing i'm gonna say to 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 blazer fan and this is what you need you need to stop doing this to enjoy the scoot era for whatever it's going to be and that is stop worrying about who you traded uh to to end up freeing up that that spot the dame thing was done the dame thing was over guys It, it happened it hurts it stings it sucks but the, the the more you want to compare, oh, you would trade a Dame for this guy, Dame for this guy, Dame Scoot, Dame Scoot, Dame Scoot, and try to morph them together. Dame's not Scoot, and Scoot's not Dame, right? Like, just just try to get out of that vacuum and just understand what you got here. Because, like, I watch Scoot, guys, and I'm sure you guys are as well. And, like, yes, he had two straight games where it was only 13 points, but, like, I was impressed, like he's showing flashes, he's doing a lot of little things, and right now they're letting him come off the bench and kind of ease into it. Is there things that I would have, I would do differently with him right now? Absolutely. Like I do not understand. Uh, maybe I should uh, get to a game and go ask Chauncey, but like I do not understand why they are playing him off the ball so much right. and letting Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon bring the ball up. He's your freaking point guard right? Get him in pick and roll situation, uh, situations with DA. He doesn't need to be off the ball right now. Let him be scoot. Like they're trying to teach him other things, which I, which I get. They're trying to expand his game, which is smart, right? I said this early on to Keith uh, over the summer that like playing off ball for him can be beneficial in the long run because now he starts to learn what those other positions would be doing when he has the ball in his hands. But right now I want to see him get to play scoot and that's the unfortunate part because i personally don't feel like we got to see scoot play scoot's brand of basketball yet you know what i think that is you know i think that is chris uh and and i told me with it and i told keith that i i think there's a reason why the ball is going through jeremy grant so much 
is because I honestly think that they're showcasing Grant to shop him. I think that's the whole game plan right now. And I wouldn't, at this point, it's still early, but at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually kept Brogdon for, you know, past the, the trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised. Mainly because Scoot isn't, he isn't what he was hyped to be yet. And he obviously needs some time and maybe some tutelage from someone like Brogdon. But I think they're definitely moving, looking at moving Grant and showcasing his talents. Which is why I think we haven't seen Scoot be Scoot. It is an interesting question. Like We've discussed for a long time now on this podcast as far as uh, when Anthony Simons, before the whole big end of the Dame era... Uh, if Anthony Simons was the key piece to move, if he was going to get moved before Nurk. I think, Chris, you and I, last year, probably around uh, the deadline, we were discussing uh, who gets... I, I, it was after the deadline, when neither of them got moved. Is it discussing who's going to get moved first, Nurk or, or Simons? What's the, the, the key move here? And, yeah, now we don't really have just that kind of that flip-flop. I think you could talk about... I mean, maybe Simon's less so because of the injury, but Jeremy Grant, I could understand moving him because they'd be clearing out room for... You've obviously seen talent in Bari and some of these other forwards coming up. Make room for him. Although I would also say, Tim, in that, if, in that same logic, moving Brogdon to clear room for Scoot is kind of what Chris is talking about, too, with we don't need to see Scoot off-ball. And honestly, Brogdon is fun. He's a good player, but a sixth man of the year is too much of a quality player still to be a mentor role. You know, he, he's not going to be happy with that. He's, he said he's uh, happy I, here. He's enjoying it, but big I big time disagree about the, I, about I, being the mentor role or which part? Yeah. Because I, I think th this is interesting to me, Keith, actually, because I think this idea that so-and-so needs a mentor and they need a vet to come in and be a mentor is the most overblown thing in basketball, right? Like every, no one wants to go be a mentor uh, they want to go hoop and no one needs a mentor like you need vets because vets will teach you a little bit but like you don't need like i'm gonna take you under my wing and be that guy and i think it's interesting because i've always felt that way you can go back on various podcasts with you go listen to the different hits on rib city radio i've always said that and malcolm brogdon is one of the very few guys that's made me eat my words because i feel like he is the opposite of that i feel like he enjoys the role he's in like he's happy as long as he gets to be on the court and he takes a different approach, but he reminds me a lot of, and it's just a buzzword type name in Portland, but he's like, he's a point guard, Ed Davis, dude. Like he's, uh, he's, 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 he's a like lunch pail, hard hat type guy. I like uh, and I do, I think, I think the mentor thing for him is something he enjoys. I think he's going to enjoy it more when he gets traded and he gets to go be a mentor on a, <laughs> on a playoff team. Right. <laughs> there, there you go. So, That's what it is. But, yeah. but I do, I do think, I do think just, just cause you said he, you know, you don't think he likes that mentor. I think he does. I really think it's kind of in his DNA that he enjoys being that guy while playing basketball at a high level at the exact same time. And, and again, I say that as someone who thinks this idea of mentorship is completely overblown. Um, and he makes me swallow my words on that. Cause I think he, he's good in that aspect. Now yeah. to your point, Tim, real quick before we go here, Keith is I, and, and full disclosure, I'm alone on an Island on this one. And this is just opinion too. Um, but I don't see an incentive to trade Jeremy Grant in the least. Uh, I think that the idea here is you want to see if what you have in your, your your three main guards, which is scoot, 
uh, Ant and Shay. And you want to see who pops, how they pop, and how they fit. And it, say by the end of the year, Scoot's looking really good. And you feel that in year two, he's going to make that mega jump. And Shay's looking great. And you know that you got something in year three. And maybe you make that jump. Like Then you look at Jeremy Grant and you're like, that can be a guy that we can use. Right. Sure. Because we're getting into a spot. We need that guy because look at like the, the, the look at like the Dame time. Right. What'd you need the whole time you had Dame in his prime run? You, you needed that wing, that vet wing that could go get the job done. A small forward power yeah. forward to just help us out. And Jeremy Grant can be that guy. But but if next year or the uh, heading into the year after that, you feel like you need a, a small forward instead, or you need to move on, then you can, because I think there's, I think there's more value in trading him when there is three years left on that contract versus right now, when you're taking on the first year of that five year mm. deal. And I, I think that's going to turn some teams off. I think there's more value in waiting. And I know you don't agree. You already told me. you. No, don't I'm, agree, I'm not. Okay? I'm not just going to say that I disagree. I just, I, 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 my question to you is, do you really think one year is going to make that big of a difference? Waiting one year. I think it, I think it absolutely can. As far, as, far as that's there. I think, I think that's their intention. They don't want it. They the the, the yeah. organization doesn't want this thing to build out for another four. Sure. Like they want to try to find get get the the the, the quickest turnaround they can. And but also how that happens, say... there's so many various avenues to that. But I still think there's value in keeping. Like maybe I'm saying it wrong, but I think, but I think there's value in keeping Jeremy because I don't think that he's going to lose trade value if you decide to no. trade him a year and a half from now. No, it's not going to hurt agree. you to keep him. You have to hit that salary floor, right? So you need that big money. And I think as a Blazer fan, uh, take it from someone who, Keith, you're a season ticket guy. Like, I'd rather watch Jeremy Grant because at least I know I'm going to go watch fun basketball than yeah. trade Jeremy Grant to Team X to send me back $30 million worth of debt dead money guys who are just going to sit on the end of the bench to make me watch absolutely terrible basketball. Some people would enjoy it. BMAC would rather have you, uh, the three of us getting paid $10 million each and fill in the Jeremy Grant spot so that we could go blow our ACLs in our very first game, be put on the IR and the Blazers win five games. I just don't like that. I mean, I would take that. Yeah, <laughs> I probably would take that. Yeah, well, of course you take it. We all need 10 mil. Take my ACL. You made a couple of points where, you want to see what you have in your three guards, Scoot, Ant, and, and uh, Shaden. Before that, you also said that we aren't seeing Scoot uh, given the ability to be Scoot. So if you're playing through, if you're playing through Grant, and you're not being able to see what Scoot can actually offer you, what are you doing? I think that they know that Jeremy Grant is probably their most sought after roster piece if you can showcase his talent when it comes time if you think that it's not gonna pan out with what you're seeing from scoot you know the three guards that you've got and you want to hold on to brogdon then jeremy grant is far and away the best option to dangle out there for whatever assets you can get back the way that the way that I'm seeing these games is that they are showcasing jeremy grant's talents to almost dangle the carrot out there for these other teams like oh look what we've got over here let us know what what your offer is we may entertain that in the future yeah but i think they can dangle his talents and still do various other things which is why this 
comes down to the almighty important coaching question, right? Like I think I think great segue, Cha- Captain Cha- Chaos. Yeah. Yeah, okay. What's your why? What you what you got? What you got? Great segue as always, Mister Mister Bully. It wasn't Burkhardt. even really a segue. It was a, it was a comment that you interrupted. Oh, it was, it was a, so. and and by interrupting, you have made it a beautiful segue. What are we saying about the coaching? Uh, about Chauncey's coaching? We are now on the twenty game uh, sample mark, and this was kind of something that we set preseason on the pod here, saying that we would have somewhat of a better idea if he was a good coach or not by now. I struggle. It's just like one minute they're like there's they're doing so many different things like they're like i feel like chauncey's testing so like what do i have here what do i have there which is a little bit frustrating it's like it's year three just what what is your offensive identity but chris to be fair he's like, got but, a completely different roster than the first two seasons i really I, this I, is I year one man Absolutely, it is. But th- but that's the frustrating part here. This is that's this what makes is it so hard to tell. It's what? year one with brand new players in just about every position. Keith or uh, Tim, see how much I he wants it. to yell and at me. I, like I'm not like I, why why. Yeah, because I'm used to you getting defensive. I don't know why you're getting defensive. I'm not, I'm not even talking about. I'm not even saying your points are bad. I'm just saying the, the the frustrating part to me, and you could say it's your one all you want. The frustrating part to me, and 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 this is perhaps why moving off from Dame was the was the right move in the long run, because what was the offense that they were running with last year with 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 dame at the point guard it was similar to everything we've seen every single year that dame's been here right so we did like so we didn't get like i didn't get an idea like of what chauncey can do offensively because he's just he's so comfortable in letting dame and cj run it for the first part of year one and then year two letting dame and ant run what they know how to run that i feel like we never got an idea like I never got an idea fully of what a uh, uh, what of what a Chauncey Billups offense looks like. Now I can close my eyes, and so can both you, and go. I know what a Terry Stotts offense looks like. I know what a Nate McMillan offense looks like. But what what is what is a Chauncey uh, a Chauncey Billups offense? And that's a little frustrating to have in year three. But again, to the exact point that you're making, Tim, that I don't think enough people want to accept at all, is that this truly for him, it's year one. Because this is the first time that he's had the chance to just go and do the... He wasn't going to be... You don't get a chance to experiment with offensive sets and bringing up the ball with different situations. With Dame as your point guard, you don't get that chance. Right. Absolutely, you don't. So now you're... Because like because there's little things that are doing because like sometimes it will work really well. And this was my point on, on uh, game day uh, on Monday that I wanted to see. And I'm glad it came to fruition in the game. But I'm like, uh, in, the, in the loss to Milwaukee, uh, DeAndre Ayton had six shots. And he made five of them. Mm. He's shooting the ball at a super efficient rate. He should not be getting six attempts. He should be getting ten plus. Ten plus, yeah. And they gave him man. a bunch in that in that game on Monday. And what he had, he had Pacers. a twenty and ten du- double and double. Yeah, dude. So he, he he had a good game. So I I still think Chauncey's testing the waters, and then that's even harder. And this is the little little things that you start to notice too. And I I would assume you guys pick up pick those up too. When people get mad at DeAndre Ayton. How come DeAndre Ayton isn't playing all-star level like we all thought he was? Because for most of the season, he was running sets with Skylar freaking Mays, guys. <laughs> Skylar Mays, who I know you all love, but since uh, the uh, Malcolm Brogdon got back in the lineup and Scoot Anderson got in the lineup, he's not playing. 
Like, he's, he's running sets with G League guys, and then he has to find a sense of comfort. There's just so many moving parts here that just make, like, I, this is what I want. Like, I know no one wants to hear anybody, so we're going to get crucified for even doing it. No one wants to hear anybody give Chauncey a benefit of the doubt right now. And unfortunately, everybody, there's a lot of, of people, not everybody, just a lot of people who weren't sold on him day one and never gave him a chance to begin with. I just want to see progression on the offense side of the ball. I want to see an identity. And I will say this. I think identity in general is huge. Like, if I ask you guys... How does the how do the Miami Heat play? You know how the Miami Heat play. Heat culture, it's a freaking thing, right? Mm -hmm. If I ask you how do the Denver Nuggets play? You can close your eyes and you know what a game against the Denver Nuggets is going to look like. And mm -hmm. I feel like right now for the very first time in the Billups era and in probably the last 4 years, the Blazers have an identity. And that identity is like you said, the defensive side the hustle, dude. The the the, yeah. the 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 want to, the fight. Like they like so many they games they've more. lost right now is no, shut up. <laughs> so many games right now they've lost because they they're giving a lot of effort on the defensive end, which you haven't seen before, and then come fourth quarter, they're gassed. Right. And they're not a good offensive team to begin with. So when you're gassed and not bad at offense, have fun scoring points. Mm. But I do feel like at least we get an identity of what this team can look like, right? Now I just want to know what this team looks like offensively. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. I know they're going to try offensively, but I just want to know what what is, what are they? Because we uh, uh, with triangle offense and the old school West Coast offense and half court offense and a full court offense and a fast kick, a run and gun. Like, there's all these different offensive types. What's Portland's? Pick one and just let's be it and pick that lane. That's what I want. Too bad for uh, you know the NBA and ESPN to educate fans on what those different offenses look like. But I <laughs> so much. no, I'm with you, man. I think you got. <laughs> He's gone. He left. Chris has no, left I the building. The defensive identity. If we even if we can't fully credit Chauncey and can't lean in, like okay, Chauncey is our guy. There is definitely a change and I don't think it's just because of the roster don't it's not just because of the players on here it's too much of a defensive shift to just be like oh we've changed the the squad up there's it's got to be at least part of the coaching whether that's Chauncey or the group or whatever but the the overall identity and the change like you're saying Chris it is so much more fun to watch I love watching counterpunch nice basketball not having to worry about uh one dude where I, I think I said it in the discord when we were discussing this earlier Dame was awesome, but our system was very much the idea where he was the sun and you had a whole bunch of smaller rotating players orbiting around him. And if he some shot tertiary he, planets, some, yes, so there you go. But I, it's so much more fun seeing more of this kind of this team basketball idea where it's without any of them being the, the bona fide go-to superstar, you just have so much more of this thing of like, as soon as the ball's loose, they're all sprinting down the floor. As soon as there's a guy collapsing in the middle, they are all coming in on him. It's so much more of a feel that they're all playing a part of a, of a greater sum instead of just playing a role to a, to a superior star. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it, man. Let's get back to some maybe just check-ins with some of the individual players. We we covered some of these already uh, when you came in here, Chris, because, uh, you know, you don't check notes, and it's what we love about you. You just you just go off the cuff. You Bill O'Reilly. You do it live. <laughs> to be fair, Keith, that's that's how I do my own show. Like, I show up for courtside like a half Absolutely. hour before, no, no notes, and I go. Chad's You're the radio pro, like, man. 
Chad's always like, what are you going to talk about today so I can tease it? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll talk about it when we go live. <laughs> and and just to be clear, like, you know, we you are the radio pro. And that is what that 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 off the cuff, that ad lib ability is a beautiful, awesome thing that you bring to the table. Not everyone is good at it. And not even all the radio people are that natural at it. Because like you said, I used to sit in there with Chad and Eric or Brian and Eric for a half hour or even an hour before show sometimes and you're going over topics. You're you're scratching <laughs> off the board. You're saying, oh, I want this. Oh, well, I, I want do this. Well, too, we don't have time for still. that. Yeah, well, you, you know, you don't take notes. You're you're much more of a, of a Brian No and I'll be I the, do. The I, I am more. I think I am more of a Brian No. It's really bad because like I can't like I can't do a teleprompter. Like I hate it. I hate a teleprompter. I hate pre-writing my scripts. I hate having to like, like I, I make more mistakes when I'm on a teleprompter because I'm like, I'm supposed to say those exact words and Oh, I missed a word. And now, Oh God, I'm screwed. Boom goes the dynamite. Improv's the way to go. I, I just, I just want, you to know, I just texted Brian to let him know that we were talking about him on the pod late night. And so maybe he'll listen this way. Maybe we'll get a, get one more <laughs> listen from old no show. Beano. Uh, <laughs> Beano, that's right. You, you mentioned Jabari earlier. Uh, let's, let's get into some of the individual players and we have some listener questions and we'll get out of here. We don't even just need to start with Jabari. We'll get to him in a second, but who is shining most to you? Obviously Scoot, we've said is he, he's had a small sample size. Aiden is impressing. Shaden has had the giant workload. Uh, Jeremy has had, you know, like what Tim has been saying, Jeremy's maybe had the shine. He and Brogdon both. Jabari and Tumani are the real defensive stalwarts, it seems like, the real defensive future for the Blazers, especially when we've now seen Tumani Kamara replace Tease in the starting lineup. Who is shown out to you? Uh, I, I think that's an easy answer. I, I think the, the one who's shown the most and has made you go, whoa, and kind of stopping your tracks has been Tumani Kamara, right? Like, you're watching him going, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're on, they're they're on to something. So what's too many buckets? On? Yeah, what's what's going on here? So yeah, I think that's the answer uh, quite easily. I do like the progression that um, I, I I do like the progression that uh, Jabari's made. I, I think he's a, I still think he's a another year out from being just the true rotational guy that they want him to be. He's getting big minutes right now, and I love it. Um, and, and he's having good games, but I think you give him all through this year and then next year, I think you guys, uh, I think you have a really, really good rotational big, a guy who's going to play the four, the small ball five. He's going to go get you buckets and give you depth and earn his paycheck. And, uh, I like that a lot. I love the progression from him. So I, I'm, I'm no BS man. It's a, those have been two of the highlights uh, for me this early season. Yeah, J- Jabari, like, I think what I enjoy about him so much is kind of like what you're saying. You know that he's going to improve and rapidly. Like we, We've mm-hmm. seen him work on the shot. We've seen him, I, I mean, I know it's a silly cliche thing to say, but bulk up. Like His body looks notably different oh, even from when we had much pictures bigger. Yeah. yeah, like much bigger. Uh, and I, again, it's a silly thing, but when when it's, we, I, I stood next to the dude on the court this summer and even seen on TV now, it's like, whoa, you know, it's it's very noticeable, the, the pop of it. Um. What he's doing on the floor, though, the way he and Tumani have been playing off each other, neither of them has a super reliable offensive game yet, but they get in there on defense. They they seem to really have a good chemistry, too. When they come in on that bench unit, we've had games that the, the pace really turned around or kind of the momentum shifted with uh, with these two guys coming off the bench, and obviously that's 
you you love seeing that kind of thing from guys who aren't your starters or weren't yet. Uh, Tumani obviously has been starting more games for us now. Do you see Jabari as a starter at some point, or is he more of that uh, perennial role player? I don't think so. I, I think he's a, a perennial role player. But like I said, I think I think if he continues the progression that he's already given you this year, Keith, then I think next year I think he's a true you know, seventh, eighth guy off the bench type guy. Like right now, I still think he's like your 10th. Like he's, he's good. He has flashes here and there, but I think he's still growing. Uh, but I think if he continues to grow at the rate that he had over this off season, I think next year you got yourself an absolute stud of a guy who's again, your second, third guy off the bench. And you're feeling really confident about it with the ability to play him in multiple positions and, and mess around a little bit. I, I think he, he's going to be a great role player, man. He's going to be a great, like, seventh, eighth guy off the bench for sure. Um, Tumani, I love that kid. That kid plays with so much heart and so much hustle. Um, defensively, he's in the right spots at the right times. Um, all he's got to do is learn how to score, and he's easily, in my mind, could take the starting three spot easily. Let me, let me just break that in, break into that a little bit more, too, because obviously with those two, like we're talking about, and with the team in general, the problem is the offense, or, or just pure shooting, I guess. You, you say mm-hmm. Jabari has worked on it. Jabari has a better-looking shot than he did even a short while ago. Tumani seems genuinely not interested in shooting at times. I, I feel like, like, like he's not, it's not that he's looking for other dudes first or looking to kind of get to a better spot. He's not looking to shoot. He's looking to not shoot, I guess is maybe what I'm getting at. Um, and I'm fine with a defensive player, man. I'm fine with a guy being all defense. And even, you know, if, if he, if his pinnacle on offense is getting a cutting layup, then fine. You, you can, you can work that if you're a defensive player, like he seems to be, but does that concern you, especially since we lack shooting with so much of the rest of the roster as well? No, because it's his first year. It There's doesn't concern me. It, yeah, it doesn't concern me at all. And if the best we get from Tumani is him being a three and D player, if that's but, but, if he, that's, but his three that, is like he. And yeah, go, go to, ahead. I, I just don't have faith in him having a three right now. I don't even see an inkling of it yet. It's his. It's his uh, first year, man. He's hit a couple of threes. Yeah, I think he's been good there, Tim. And, and to my point earlier, it's it's the easiest thing to learn. And, and what I think is interesting is that. Who was the comp that everyone gave him right out of the gate? I mean, I gave him Scottie Pippen. Everybody gave him Pippen, right? Because yeah. he's, he's, <laughs> he he's, yeah. he's wearing the number. He's got the sweatband. Well, he's, he's got a similar he, body type, too. And he does. But you know you know who, who I think, if he could develop into that type of player, I think would be perfect for what the Blazers need? Young Detroit Piston era Tayshaun Prince. Uh, that, that would be incredible. 3 and D. Like, like I get, and I get the Pippen thing, but that, I mean, that's hall of famer guy, right? Right. Pippen, but, but Pippen but, but, only but comes Tayshaun, around once every so often. Exactly. But the Tayshaun Prince guys was so good on the defensive end and then developed into, into a, a spot up shooter as well. He Again, was a this shut is a guy, down defender. Yeah. And this is also th- keep in mind. That's all. I, I didn't do that on purpose, but I mean, that's a guy that uh, Chauncey Billups is very familiar with Tayshawn Prince's oh, game. Hey, right. Uh, and, and if he, if he could develop into that, and that's the thing, Portland does not need Scottie Pippen at small forward. Would it be nice to have him? Absolutely. Absolutely. But if they had a guy who was just even a Tayshawn Prince type, a true three and D lockup defender can hit that three pointer with the best of them. 
your money. So if Tamani Kamara can get that three point shot consistent, sign me up all day long. That's what, and that's what I, that was my point, Chris. Is if that's the best we get from Tamani and he doesn't become this Hall of Fame player like Scottie Pippen, I am okay with that. And I honestly believe that earns him a starting spot at the three. Yeah, I mean, okay, he's doing it now. So to round out our kind of trio of our our wing role players here. Uh, we're talking about Jabari, we're talking about Tumani, and let's just you know, kind of get a little more shine on Tease since he's kind of maybe being the one pushed out of uh, out of center uh, focus here. Do you worry about Tease's future? Because I, I, I feel like what no. we've seen from Tease, we've seen this guy develop a three-point shot more than he's had before. Probably the most reliable three-point shot of our role players right now. Still really good defense. I And enough of a veteran player where he's maybe able to pass on some of that defensive mindset towards some of the younger guys. No, no concerns. We're not worried about him maybe getting uh, pushed too much to the side by Tumani. No, no, he's not no, going to get pushed I, to the side. No, and I think, I mean, I think Matisse Thibel's smart enough too to understand where he sits in the pecking order. I mean, he wasn't a starter in Philly either. Like he's there not, he's yeah. not really a starting small forward. He's a rotation player, and he's very, very good at it. And the, the, like, there are players who can come off the bench and make that their thing, and are incredible at it. And you need them. And I think yeah. Matisse is one of them. But more of a three knee guard than a wing, too, is kind of what you're. I thought you were getting at maybe for a second there. Like not really the starting small forward, more of a like a three and D guard. No. I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's, 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 he's more, I mean, plays the three, he can play the two, but I mean, you're, you're bringing him in for defense and the last couple games, guys, he's been, he's been yeah. a juggernaut he's been on the over. defensive end. He's Honest, been incredible. Honestly, I love watching way, his style too on the, on def- the, 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 the passing yes. lane defense, man. Love it. It's smart basketball. It's high IQ. It's, you're not, you're not leaning on athleticism or being bigger than the guy or having like a seven foot wingspan. It's just, he watches the lanes and just times it. It's beautiful. The way I see it, until Sharp, and we've talked about this maybe the within the first couple of episodes we recorded, um, until those Sharp exist anymore, right? Until <laughs> Sharp develops that consistency that we're waiting for, uh, I I honestly think you should start. They should start Matisse at the two and play Tumani right next to him. Defensively, you're not going to get better than that on this roster. As far as like rotations, I could see it for the defense, but I also think Sharp's bringing a lot on defense too, man. We've seen some quick hands and some good timing from him. The cross, the court from like the top of the arc to the corner on that three point block. He's showing uh, some. De- I wouldn't say we're seeing a lot on on the defensive end, but I mean he's he's showing some signs of flashes. Yeah, yeah, sure. But it's but it's not every game. You, is you'll thing. give me some hot flashes, okay? <laughs> The next two guys I had up the ladder here discussing the individual players were going to be Jeremy and Malcolm Brogdon. We've kind of already covered this pretty well, I think, as far as the the veterans and their role here and their their kind of value and position. So, Scoot, Shaden, and Aiden. Going to not worry about Penny Simons right now since he hasn't been playing for us. Uh, Missing 16 games, not really enough of a sample to worry about this early in the season. But between Scoot... Shaden and Aiden, what are you seeing? What are you liking? How how do you feel? Are you worried about Scoot's uh, pace? Like it seems to be such a, a talking point, especially in Discord today. We had a really nice long conversation about uh, Scoot and if he is 
meeting expectations, if he's more of a comp to Russell Westbrook versus more of a Mike Conley thing, if that's okay, if Mike Conley is uh, worth respect in the rest. Shout out to the Discord, by the way. I haven't done that in a minute uh, during the episode. Wonderful, awesome time with all you guys. It's We've had an amazing preseason, a great start to the season. Third bench has been awesome. The discussions with everyone, game day chats has been amazing. Had some nice fun visits coming in here for the podcast when we've done it, even though they haven't all made the air. You're all great. Come and join the Discord. The link. Where is it, Tim? It's in the description. <laughs> it's in the description. So, yes. Uh, the discussion we were having on Discord, though, about Scoot's pace. Let, or let's start there. How are we feeling about Scoot? Are we worried? Are we disappointed? Uh, or are we over the moon? Where are you at? I'm concerned he's not, to Chris's point, he's not able to be Scoot. I'm not, con- I'm not concerned that he's... You know, uh, as to whether or not he's going to be a, a pro ball player, I think he's going to be just fine. I just, we don't know what Scoot is yet. I, I'm, I'm concerned that he's not getting the opportunities. I think the opportunity is definitely going to be a big factor of it, and it does. It is. It's frustrating to have him, uh, to have him have missed so many games already for it. I like the progression, man. We're, we're, we've seen significantly better three-point shooting in the last two games obviously i think he's looked more confident i think he's looked a little less jumpy like we talked about earlier where he's definitely still jumping too much on defense and he's getting faked out but i think to use a just typical cliche phrase in the nba i think it's starting to slow down for him a little bit but again like your point out tim we're judging this right now on an almost 20 game sample size for the team if i was looking at scoot 10 games in with what he's doing right now, I think I'd feel a lot better about it. It's just that he hasn't been here. And so for him to already feel like he's falling behind, is, you know, it's, I get it. I get where fans are, are bringing this from, but I don't know. It's Again, we discussed this in the, the Discord earlier, but it just feels like the hype train just got out a little ahead uh, of what he was it really ready for, does, especially man. with the injury. <laughs> the hype, the hype train is always out ahead of itself. I, and uh, I, I think a, a critical part of this, I just think, was there was a phrase... I, I do believe what the phrase when it was tossed around was NBA-ready body. He has an NBA-ready body. And he does. He's coming in physically. He does. He does have an NBA-ready body. But I think fans read that as NBA-ready, and it's not he's, the same. He's he's Dwight Howard in a point guard body. <laughs> I mean, I could see he's, he's sculpted, man. But, again, the, the point is just that I think people read NBA-ready body and interpreted it as, oh, he's good to go. He's only going to take a little while, and he's going to sure. be 60 miles an hour down the road. And – it's, I think it's just much more of, yeah, this dude has some G, G League experience and he has some uh, great physical characteristics and he has great energy and obviously has a head for the game, but he's still a rookie. You know, it's, right. it's going to take he's, him a minute. Yeah, it's going to take him some time. And I, I got to ask you, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. Uh, was that was that a bad thing? Were people saying that was a bad thing? Because Kyle Lowry has had a pretty good career. And if that's yeah. as good as Scoot, is gonna be we could be in much a much worse position than that kyle lowry has a ring y'all yeah right that's all i'm saying like kyle kyle lowry i will take kyle lowry well this is like the again the discussion in discord earlier come and join the discord link in the episode description was we're going around i think it was uh eric uh shout out to shoot some oops and go listen to the kenny's g league podcast about the remix, which we will also get to, but Eric brought up that the conversation was changing from comping Scoot to Russell Westbrook with the athleticism and you know unstoppable physical characteristics to now being a Mike Conley comparison. Uh, and I'm I was sitting there going like I'm all for this. I, the idea that you're going to say he's a defensive-minded, playmaking first, uh, gritty, you know, consistent point guard who 
Mike Conley has led his team, like you pointed out, Chris, in our dialogue. Mike Conley led his team to the Western Conference Finals. Now he's doing great with the Timberwolves. Versus Russell Westbrook, like, yeah, he's athletic, but I'd so much rather have the mold of a Mike Conley. But then in the discussion, the problem was that some of these, some fans take those comps and they look at it as, uh, as a success comp. They're saying, oh, Russell Westbrook way more successful than Mike Conley, so they don't like the, the difference there. And just, it's not, again, it's like the NBA ready versus NBA ready body. We're getting caught up in the hype and people are misinterpreting and getting ahead of themselves. And I think you're, people are building these expectations for Scoot where he still is, is going to be fantastic. He's going to be a top 10 player. He's just This is the tough part, Keith, because everyone wants every, – and they connect it right or wrong. Is they connect it to the fact that Damian Lillard was traded <laughs> and mm. at the exact same time that, that, that Scoot was drafted. Because here's the thing. with it, If you take this idea of Damian Lillard out of it and you just drafted – the next Mike Conley. Hell okay, so yeah. I did, so, so I just drafted a two-way point guard who averages close to twenty and ten for his career or whatever. That's what I'm saying, and has yeah, gone dude. to the gone to the Western Conference Finals. And since what 2006, whenever 2007, he was drafted. What the Odin year? So almost twenty years in this league as a starting point guard. I that's a good draft. That's a win. Even if he was the third pick, that's a win. But, but because everyone wants to lump it into the situation that happened with Dame and you traded a generational talent to get him, which is also a buzzword because every single draft, everyone's like, oh, generational talent, generational talent. Well, by definition, no. Uh, but but <laughs> but the thing is, like, if, if, if Scoot ends up being Mike Conley and Tamani Kamara ends up being Tayshaun Prince and Shaden Sharp ends up being the Tracy McGrady comp that I like to give him. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty fun core. Oh, yeah, and you got DeAndre Ayton, who's pretty good, too. Like, <laughs> that's good. You got yourself a good team. And, yeah. and if if he's Conley, I'm fine. This yeah, idea that, that it, because he, better. he... Yeah, he has to be, uh, you know, the second coming of Dame or a D-Rose or this and that. And even Mike Conley. Dude, the only reason Mike Conley doesn't have all those all-star uh, name uh, games to his name is because the, the league was absolutely stacked at, sh- at uh, guard. Yeah. And it's stacked still, and, at guard. And, and, and because yeah. it doesn't get appreciated. So, so maybe that's part of the issue, too, is if we are just going off accolades and we want a guy who's a defensive playmaker, that is not a flashy, popular among the masses type point guard. Like, that's not... It's not the Dame player. It's not the Derrick Rose player or the Russell Westbrook. This is the guy who, like Mike Conley, could very well go underrated for a lot of his career, especially in a small market like Portland. If we don't put everything together and make a big championship run, Scoop might not ever get a lot of those accolades and a lot of the big market national media love. I don't care. He's going to be fantastic. He looks he, The mold that he is filling right now, already early, looks so good to me, and I'm so ready for it, dude. Let's do it. Let's I, go. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I think I think and and I think also to to your point, Keith, like Russell Russell Westbrook, um, puts up the 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 triple doubles, right? And he gets all the stats, and he has the flashy game. Uh, but I don't think it's too far fetched to say that that especially in their prime, like Mike Conley impacts the game of basketball. Yes, hundred percent because 100%. Of, because he does so much on both sides. Like the mm-hmm. the dude, he's a stud. So, so again, if Scoot ends up being Mike Conley, if you're upset with that, I like Mike Conley a lot. <laughs> like, same. We'll All see. right. All right. Two more. Just quick. Just again, just checking in on how these guys are 
meeting or not meeting our expectations after the first 20 games or 17 games, almost 20 games here. And then we have a few listener questions. We'll get you guys out. Shaden or Aiden, the other two parts of our young core, who do you feel like going over here first? Here's with Shay. Okay, so Shaden, by the way, I was calling him Mac and Cheese earlier. You guys just evolved that nickname to the next level. It's T-Mac and Cheese. Oh, my God. He's been the comp. He was the comparison. He's the, that was the comp that you guys had. It's your own fault, Chris. T-Mac and Cheese. I'm writing this I down. I wasn't a part of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of Shaden, though? The, the, so far, Shaden's criticism so far has been that he's taken on too much of a load or that the team is giving him too much of a load. Obviously, part of this is probably because Penny is missing. It seems weird to me that we're saying that Shaden is taking too much of a load while people are simultaneously complaining that Jeremy Grant and Brogdon are getting too much of the run. But where do you guys uh, stand on Shaden? Is he full? Is he surpassing expectations? Is he falling short? Where are you at? He's right about where I thought he would be. I think he's hit a few benchmarks like we had talked about him taking over a game. Well, he took over a game. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen the consistency I was hoping to see. But again, it's it's still early in the season and I don't I didn't really expect to see consistency until, you know, the latter half of the season anyway. Um, but I, I he's right around where I thought he would be. Yeah, he's he's exactly uh where I thought he would and wanted him to be, honestly. I thought um the year two jump I wanted was I wanted him to average about 15 points per game. He's at 16 right now. Um, he could be more. I, I, I think he's shouldered a lot of the load, man, and has looked gassed uh, a lot of these nights. And he just needs to get more comfortable within himself. He had a shot. I, I can't remember if it was against Milwaukee or not, but DeAndre Ayton gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to Shea, who is maybe 10 feet away. And he goes up for the shot and just bricks it. And it's like, oh. even Calabro pointed out, he's like, he got, he's looked like he was deciding whether he wanted to bank it or just go for the, <laughs> the regular bucket. And it's like, just yeah. in that situation, just, just go, right. I don't mean, don't yeah. think about it. Just go to that point. He has played the most the average, the most minutes per game than anyone on the roster. Dude. Okay. Like I said, well, I, I, he looks gassed. I think he looks yeah. gassed. <laughs> And again, you know, this is an opportunity that we didn't expect. We did not expect Penny to be out this. We didn't think he was going to be out at all, let alone this long, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe it's a bit of a, you know, this could be a thing that we look back and say, wow, what a critical time for Shaden to really to really put it together. You know, like really get a concentrated dose here to to find his game. Because I, I do think we've seen him adding things. He's not just coming around and building speed. He's adding comfortability. I think he's definitely yeah. in his understanding of the floor. He's, he, he's still, he's still kind of learning like what his role is or what he's allowed to do, what he can do. Right, Chris? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think so. And I think he's getting better on the defensive end, which I think is fun. But to, to, to Tim's point, I mean, he's currently fifth in the NBA in minutes played. Like he's, <laughs> he's playing yeah. a lot. That's a lot. All right. How about Aiden? Uh, our last guy to discuss here in kind of the, you know, the new core of the team and the rotation. Obviously, he came over in the Tumani Kamara trade. I mean, I, I, the Nurk thing was a controversy with fans, right? I would think that after Not how me. negative and toxic people were getting with Nurk, that people would be pretty happy to have Aiden coming in here. I don't feel like he's gotten a whole lot of love. And he's, like we said earlier, he's played pretty well. He's not, I don't think he's disappointing as far as the stat, uh, the stat box goes. So I'm not sure why I feel like people are just kind of glossing over with him. I mean, he's averaging a double-double yet again. 
and he's ten times the defender Nurk was, is. Uh, he's more athletic than Nurk. The only knock on him that I have is that I wish he would impose his size more. Stop taking fadeaway hook shots. But I, I, I can, love Aiton. DeAndre Aiton is a center that we haven't had in ages. Yeah. And I just it, love the fact compared to Nurk, he actually shoots the ball with efficiency. That yeah. game against uh, Indiana shot, on man. Monday, that was the that was his worst shooting game of the last five games, and he still shot fifty seven percent. Like yeah. like like he he's he's shooting the ball really well right now and again it's not just dunks and easy shot he is taking those jumpers and he's hitting them but yeah he's I I like him I think the knock on him Tim like I said earlier is like dude he's having to play with with uh, yes Skylar Mays Jeremy yes. Manaya was playing for just a little imagine bit. Like, what's gonna happen when he starts developing the chemistry with Scoot and Brock you know what I mean like that's 100%. when they when they start running the pick and roll efficiently. He's gonna easily be at twenty and ten. I, yeah, I yeah. told you guys he's a twenty and ten guy, and I still <laughs> believe that. I still believe it. Yeah, I I'm excited for him, man. I and Aiton is uh, among the new players on the team. Like we've got a lot of fun young guys to be excited about. I know Aiden's not the youngest, but man, like he's I am he's more excited about most. him than most others, dude. Yeah, he's he's obviously still young, but he's, he's just like one of these that has more. 25, yeah. He's got more NBA seasoning, I guess, is the best way to put it, than yeah. most of the other guys on the roster. Uh, so maybe a little less of that kind of fresh, shiny, new toy feel. Sure. But yeah, man, I am I am stoked on him. I like what he's doing, and, and yeah, I, I want to see the, him and Scoot get going together. The coolest thing about Aiton is he is entering his prime. There you go, yeah. And, you know, we always, we, we've heard many a time that big men take longer to, to develop and all that, right? Well, now our big man's got a jump start. So hopefully they all develop right along the same time. They all get those primes going uh, and prime championship runs for like five or six years. It'd be great. All right. Listener questions, final segment. And then we get you guys out of here. Thank you both for a lovely trail casters after dark tonight. Uh, <laughs> Chris, you missed our stripper name intro thing. The, the one part of the pod that you didn't make it in time for. <laughs> It was solid. We say Kiki. It was solid. <laughs> <laughs> Next on the stage, Kiki. Uh, I don't remember the whole <laughs> rest then. Oh, Kiki Montreal. Damn it, BMAC. There you go. That's what it was. That's Kiki what it was. Montreal. Kiki Montreal. <laughs> that is definitely a stripper name. All right, listener questions. We've got a group of these just from taking the temperature in Discord, getting the feel from what everyone was thinking about with our squad. Asked these just the other day, so it should be nice and fresh. Also, shout out to, I believe it was Paint PDX who had, I think, a question or two in there from well before one of our last times that we recorded a pod. I didn't even get it in, but it doesn't really matter because the pod never made it out anyway. Uh, he gave us an update, though, and we will get to that in a second. First question from Paint PDX. Uh, or I guess second, since he asked about the holiday stuff earlier. What's the current thinking on Brogdon and Grant being on the team long term? I know we kind of touched on this, but rehash briefly, you guys. What, what do you think is the long term goals of the team with with Grant and with Brogdon? Because I know you deferred a little bit, Tim and Chris. I think it's. I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them finished their contracts here. Um, but like I said earlier, I think. I think they're trying to showcase Grant. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get chopped. Uh, I, uh, then again, I wouldn't be surprised if Brogdon got chopped either. So, you know, it's it's hard to say because you're not seeing a lot of success on this team, but you're also not seeing a lot of 
uh, creativity uh, with the play calling. I think you're seeing a lot of just give it to Grant and let him do something. Give it to Brogdon and let him do something. You know, dump it down low to Aiton. I we to me we haven't seen enough uh, of the young guys. We haven't seen enough utilization of the young guys for me to form a a realistic opinion. But at this point, I, I still think it could go either way. Hey Tim, I have a new nickname for you. Uh oh, indecisive guy, guy on the fence. You gotta work on your nicknames, man. Yeah, they don't flow. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, the, the, at least, I, I at least make something rhyme the best or something. Yeah, like I, come on, I like, was... like like two take Keith makes sense, right? <laughs> I think Brogdon's probably gone at the deadline. I think Jeremy Grant is not. There you go. Boom. Yeah, I, I, I probably lean that way more than the other, but I'm with you, Tim, too. Where it's just, it's so so open right now. It's really hard to say. I'm just enjoying what they're doing uh, to kind of fill in those gaps when the young guys are not holding together. But I do think. Uh, that over this season we're going to see more and more of the young guys getting more and more of the role and the fill and the and the touches and that will really start to maybe give us a better idea what the long term plan is for the for the older vets. Mm -hmm. Another question from Paint PDX: How is everyone feeling about the point guard trio if we're counting Penny as a point guard? So point guard trio being Scoot Brogdon and Penny Simons here. I still see Simons as more of a true two. He's like he's a combo guard where he can he can play point, but I. Uh, you don't. I mean, Chris. Oh, you. Oh, I thought. See, I'm so used to Chris shaking his head and being instantly like, denying what my point is, but he's whispering under his breath. He's a two as well. Because yeah, he's Simon's best. His best skill is catch and shoot. He's not. He's not an amazing playmaker. He's not working the the pick and roll. Fantastic. He's good at it, but he's a combo guard who's mostly a, a two. I see Simon as more of like a. His ceiling is uh, like a Bradley Beal type model. He, he can play both, but he's a shooter more than anything else. Uh, so. That kind of defines it for me. I would say the, the the point guard trio is really a duo. It's it's Scoot and Brogdon, and the, that has very clearly defined roles. So that's kind of you know simple version for me. What about you guys? There's gonna come a day where nobody's gonna know what a point guard versus a shooting guard is. <laughs> yes. And I think that Penny fits that description. If you think of Simons as more of the shooting guard, it makes this a lot easier just in the sense that, like, the question becomes more about Simons and Shaden instead of this trio mm -hmm. of of Simons, a young guy, and an old vet, where it's just, it's, you know, you have such different variations there. I think it's kind of hard to choose which one's a superior thing, but you make it Simons or Shaden as a shooting guard, and then a veteran and a rookie point guard, everything clears up so easily, right? Sure, but that's not how they play, and you even see... Scoot playing off the ball like a two guard like it's how do you define point guard on this roster when you've got when you've got multiple people from multiple positions handling the rock I like our guards I think there's a move to be made I think they can be better but I think they're young and we don't know exactly what we have with them yet so this one kind of ties into the same way oh I'm sorry Chris were you was that a no, yawn or were you going to say something? Okay. That was a yawn. I'm tired. It's probably a yawn because I'm You're good, man. talking no. his ear off. <laughs> just babbling He's falling asleep on the mic. I do think when Simons is healthy, he's going to start. Sharp is still figuring out his game. He's figuring out his bag of tricks. He's had a huge role so far. And so even just putting him on the bench maybe helps him to get some much-needed rest. Uh, so it probably makes the most sense that way. You don't want to cut Scoot's minutes down, especially since he's already 
kind of cut his own minutes short by missing so many games. You don't want to cut Brogdon out if you have any desire to trade him. You don't want to cut him out as if you have desire to win games as well. I think it makes most sense that you're going to have to cut Sharp's minutes and put uh, Penny in there as a starter. No, I'd put, put Ant back in there. It's not going to impact Shea. He's still going to be able to get his minutes. And then ideally, I would like to see Scoot there at number one instead of Brogdon. I mean, he's yeah, less man Brogdon. of the year anyway. Um, get get the, the true starting unit out there and, and get them together. That's what I want to see. Next question from our guy, Michael, new member of the third bench as well. Shout out, Michael, man. Good good sitting with you at the game the other night. What are your thoughts on Mo Harkless coming to the remix? Oh, you God. already know how I'm feeling from how I said that. Just tell me, how are you guys feeling? Mo Harkless. Mo Sharkless back in Portland in Rip City with the Rip City remix. I'm excited. Can you tell? A little. <laughs> uh, not not to be not to be an a-hole, but I could care less. Ah, oh, I what really, was the? I mean, he's he he was a cool dude, but uh, I didn't think it was that good. I mean, he you know he he wasn't he wasn't a perfect player or anything by any means, but he, he wasn't uh, good either. <laughs> He wasn't. He was not as good as we needed at the time. Uh, <laughs> I love the idea. As someone brought it up as far as saying, uh, with with Mo coming back to the remix, do you think this means that he could get called up by the team at some point? Because that's obviously what all of us fans are looking for. We're all looking for that that wonderful nostalgia. Bring Mo back. He had a great quote with Casey too, where he was saying, like, quote me on this. Uh, get this right. I always shoot fifty percent, no matter what. It's either. Make or miss, it's always fifty percent. I love that quote because he was obviously saying it tongue in cheek. Uh, Chris, I'd rather bring Joel Prisvilla out of retirement. <laughs> Shout out to Joel right there. But Chris, you pointed out in Discord when someone was asking about can Mo get called up by the team, you pointed out that technically he's a free agent. He's not one of the Blazers just because he works for the remix. He does not have an NBA contract. So if Portland wanted to sign him, we would have to. Uh, or sorry, if we wanted to call him up, we'd have to sign him. And that is the same that any other team can do. So yep. So NBA, So they don't sign with the team. Like Mo, right. Har Mo Harkless is not under contract with the Rip City remix. Mo Harkless is under contract with the G League, right? That's why they didn't say that the Rip City remix have signed Mo Harkless. It was the Rip City remix had acquired Mo Harkless. Right. Right. Um, so he is essentially an NBA free agent eligible player who signed a contract with the G League to play in the G League. Now, he cannot be called up and down freely. The only players that can be called up and down are the three two-way players who can be called up and down at any point. And then anybody who is currently on the Blazer co uh, Blazers contract, however, if they want to go down, they have to be designated for that assignment, much like you saw uh, uh, Scoot Henderson went down there for one practice. You know, Scoot Henderson has been assigned to the G League, right? So that's where that fluidity can come from. Um, but for Mo Harkless, if he want for him to be air quotes called up to the Blazers, the Blazers would have to sign him to a Blazer contract first, which he currently does not have, and they're not going to do. Right. Uh, so it, it, this is a chance for him to showcase that he still has pep in his step. Maybe somebody picks him up. I think it's cool that he gets a chance to do it in front of uh, a fan yeah. base that loves him, except for Tim. He's not going to go to Childs to watch it. That's okay. Uh, but no, so so I, I think I think it's cool. Mo's a great guy. Hard to believe that he's only 30 because I feel like wow. 20, 20, the 2019 team feels like a decade ago. So you feel yeah, like does. he should be like at least 45 or something. It was pre-COVID. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a previous era. It was, it was all pre-COVID. Yeah, but yeah, that's how that one works. 
Uh, I did like that even after you clarified that in the Discord, Chris, Sheriff asked about maybe we can wave Manaya to make room on the Blazers roster. And then Jesse points out, oh, no, no, that's only for players in their first three years of contract. So, yeah, you know, we, to <laughs> yeah, we, we have some, some CBA uh, experts in there trying to make sure that we don't get crazy. But I, I do love that our Discordian fans were all, uh, all, all trying to make this work in one way or another. Because like you said, we love Mo Harkless. Mo Sharkless is back in, in, in Portland, and I cannot wait to go see a Rip City Remix game with him on the roster it'll be fun maybe get a picture because i guess they're every game the remakes are making two players available post game for for pictures on the court and so go get a go get a oh, photo nice. with mo sharkless blazers legend all right next question from our guy mac deuce uh just be quick on this one because is i feel like there's a rabbit hole we could go deep down do you want to win games if they come from leaning on brogdon and grant i would rather see jabari get 30 minutes i would rather see jabari get 30 minutes than grant get 30 points would you rather win games or, or would you rather develop the young guys? Obviously, we know BMAC's uh, stance on this. It's go it's, it's go hard in for the youngsters. I, and I, you know, I, I agree with them. It's, 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 it's hard to say. It's tough to say. I don't like saying it, but I have to cringe while doing so and say that I do kind of agree with BMAC. That I want, I want to see the young guys played even if it means we're not winning games as much. But... I don't want to not win either, man. I like watching Brogdon and Grant work. I like what Grant's doing. I like seeing the the new generation's version of Andre Miller out there in Brogdon. And it's not hurting our young guys either. They're still getting development. These are early minutes, early season minutes in their first uh, year of a long career for, for most of them, I'd assume. You, you need minutes for them, but Scoot getting, let's say, 25 minutes on the floor versus him taking over more minutes from Brogdon, like, yeah, it would help, but it's not going to be so much of a difference maker in my mind in his development that I want to just say, no, 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 bottom out. Don't want to win a single another game through the season. Just go full development. I, I want to win some too. It's fun. That's what we're here to watch. It's, it's fun basketball. I think Matt, Mac makes a solid point, but I think his focus is in the wrong place. I don't want to see Jabari getting 30 minutes. I want to see Scoot getting 30 minutes. There you go. I want to see Sharp yeah. getting 30 minutes. I'd like to see Tamani getting 30 minutes. But besides that, no. I well, that's, get off that's the, get off the Walker train is all I'm saying. Like he's he's fun to watch, but you gotta you gotta get off that train, Mac. Well, <laughs> we talked about it earlier. His seat, I like. I think he can be a good seventh, eighth man, sixth man, and I think that's his ceiling. Jabari. Jabari Walker, Jabari ain't turning into uh, some mega starter who's turning heads. If he does, it might be for a flash in the pan year or two. But yeah, it ain't and there's nothing man. wrong with being a role player. There's nothing wrong Absolutely with being not. six through eight. You know what I mean? That's yeah. There are well, so many great basketball players that make a living being the sixth, seventh, or eighth man. <laughs> Kyle to, and, was one. <laughs> to be to be fair to be Mac here though, like he is definitely the biggest Bari fan among all of us, oh, and he he, he leans is. in heavy to that. But I do think his point here mostly, uh, and I think he said something about this in the follow up comment was, is it's mostly about he he doesn't want to see two dudes that likely won't be on the team long in the future, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with. Uh, with Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon, he doesn't want to see them scoring 50 plus points to get wins when you could be sending that time towards the youngsters. I just, I just don't think it's time, that critical. No, and I don't think it is. But at the same time, you also, if you're looking at trading them, you have to showcase that talent. Yeah, that's true too. I think that there are certain situations, guys, where 
if you don't put your best foot forward to win games and you start losing, that you can create a losing culture that is impossible to come out of. You want a good example of that right now? How about the 15 loss in a row Detroit Pistons? There's no winning culture in Detroit right now because they have just embraced, let's just tank this and they have they have bungled it at least trust the process did some decently good things but even they were bad for the long time and as i i just i cannot advocate for that i never will i do not like the idea of taking my best players off the court in any situation if that means that you get the seventh pick instead of the fourth pick so be it Put the best foot forward and try to win ball games. I do not care. Jabari is going to get his. Scoot's going to get his. They have practices. Coach knows what's going on. If Jabari Walker is worthy of 30 minutes per game, Tim, he will get 30 minutes per game regardless, right? Like I didn't say it, bro. I know, I know you. I, I know. I was using. And to your to your point about how you keep talking about showcasing Grant, right? If 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 Malcolm and Jeremy are already the two known commodities, right? That Portland is most likely to flip. Mm-hmm. At what point does it benefit Portland in any way, shape, or form to make them purposely disgruntled? Right. Mm. So yeah. now that Jeremy Grant says, no, 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 I want out and I want out now. And the minute he says that publicly, uh, right. similar to this Dame situation, leverage. yeah, now we lost leverage. Like, that's just, that's just no. Keep them happy. Take care of them. It goes a long way. And again, I hate losing on purpose. It's stupidity. I just want to say, too, you bring up Detroit Pistons then just made me remember something. Uh, Cade Cunningham is on my fantasy roster. Doing great work as far as his production overall. He's having some really awesome games. Uh, but I went to watch a Pistons game just to be like, oh, you're just checking on my guys and on you just just you when you surf around all the all the highlights for whatever. Cade looks miserable <laughs> when he's playing on there, the man. Team he like yeah yeah, it's like this dude is like he's putting up good numbers. He's got good looking shit, and he just does not look like fun basketball. I would not want to be watching that every game. <laughs> Next question before Chris falls asleep on his microphone, coming in from Dave. <laughs> How are you watching games in a rebuilding year and finding joy? I am loving watching multiple consecutive solid defensive possessions, and I forgot what a Mike Fratello team looks like. Uh, hey, look at that. Two Mike Fratello references in one podcast. Don't think that's ever happened before for, <laughs> for us. But, yeah, I, I mean, we've we talked about this before, probably on a pod episode that didn't get posted with the way things have been recently, just the ratio and track record. Uh, so I'm not going to assume that listeners have heard it, but... I think watching the defensive plays is a great way to find joy this season. You you don't want to watch the scoreboard. You want to be looking for the guys developing their games like we've been talking about. Guys adding a shot, working on their defense, working on the chemistry, working on the, the relationship building between Scoot and Aiden or Tumani and Jabari. Uh, there's there's so many fun things to look for if you just can get away from looking at the the box score and the kind of the, the counting stats and the overall actual scoreboard itself. Which isn't always tough when you're a, a sports better, and obviously that's a bigger uh, portion of the fan base every every day. It seems like you know more and more people get in on the, all the betting lines for it, and that's fine. And I I enjoy sports betting as well. But yeah, this team, especially this year, you got to be able to watch without having it be a bit just about the the stats and the production. For for me, it's the defense. Well, that's defense. I mean I yeah man, it's Tumani Kamara, it's Matisse Thibel, it's DeAndre Ayton. That's what's that's where I find the joy because I, I love defense. That's where I get it. That's where I get my joy. Tumani Kamara. Matisse. Tumani. <laughs> Tumani happy moments. 
for me, I think the fun, the funnest part about watching this team, whether they're good or bad, is the fact that for the first time in for the first time in a decade of covering this team, we don't know what to expect on any any given game. Like look at the the other like how many times has this game this team come, gone to a uh, crunch situation, right? Maybe a last second shot, and it's who's going to take the shot. Right. Yeah. Like what was what was it? Uh, was it uh, Sacramento? If I remember correctly, like Jeremy Grant got the last second shot a couple times, and now you see you see Malcolm Brogdon coming up doing some ISO ball stuff. Uh, and to me, that's fun. And I know it rubs some people the wrong way. It's like, oh, they don't, I don't need Malcolm doing this. I don't need that. I'm like, yeah, but for so long, it was just Dame was going to take the shot. Right. Exactly. He was going to bring the ball. Like you knew what was going to happen. So seeing seeing things from a different perspective, seeing different offensive sets that you're not used to, um, and then. Truly, the, the biggest joy is trying to find the little things and it's really paying attention to Jabari uh, and to Monty and Scoot and Shay and see how these little guys, these little guys, excuse me, these young guys um, <laughs> progress game to game in a way that you can truly see because that's fun. Because, again, you haven't had that chance. You didn't get that chance with Ant, right? He was the right. young guy who was just relegated to garbage minutes because you right. had Dame and you had CJ and all this. Uh, and now for the first time in a very long time, you get to see some young guys uh, truly develop and I think that's why this season is so hard for so many, Keith, is because this is that's uncharted. Yeah, it's uncharted. Yeah, totally. I mean, to even look at Dame, right? Dame came in and Dame was an instant 20 point per game guy. Like the dude just took off. Right. You When was the last time you had to watch a young player develop in front of your eyes? It hasn't happened very often in Portland. And again, so I find that fun because it's, it's new for me because it's not the tedium of the exact same team doing the exact same stuff. It, it's a great point too, because honestly, like I, I have, especially in our dialogues with BMAC uh, recently on Discord, I've been pretty clear that I, I didn't want a rebuilding team. I wanted to go all in around Dame, just do anything you can for a championship, just get winning basketball in here in Portland, and I thought that would be fun. But I have thoroughly enjoyed the young squad, watching the rebuild like you're talking about, Chris, watching all the small steps, seeing game-to-game progress, feeling like I can watch one game of Scoot or Jabari or Tumani, and the next game I see them, it's like, oh, already looking better. Already, not just like a, a momentary flash, but like, oh, they're doing this better. They're moving quicker. They seem tighter as a unit. Uh, and as like you said as well, Tim, the defense, I am so much more interested I think, I, again, we said this earlier in the pod, but just the counter-punching basketball, getting out there and seeing things if you see Dame run the offense, and like you said, Chris, you know it's going to be a three-point shot most of the time. You, you know what it's going to look like. It, there's not a lot of variation. What we have right now, there is so much difference in every play. Like so, Every time down the floor, something different happens. It's just it's so much easier to stay engaged with, I think, when I'm watching from home if you're not in the arena. Because you, just, you, you don't have to worry about no more just like, okay, you know, I'm going to look at my phone for a second, time out till he gets to the three-point line. Uh, <laughs> something can happen at any moment, and it's just a lot more engaging. But I'm going to end on the cheesiest note I can here. Last bit of the pod, and I got I got to do the, the cheesy cheese, thing. Cheesier than T-Mac and cheese? T- <laughs> cheesier than T-Mac and cheese. Thank you for bringing that back. The, the, the way that I am truly most enjoying watching the games this year, though, is with the... <laughs> People in this this Discord and the third bench that I'm going to games with, then discussing the games with you guys on the pod. I know we haven't done it enough, but I love when we've been getting to do it. It's been an awesome time each time. Maybe that's maybe I'm sabotaging the episodes just to try and get you to come back and record quicker the next time. Uh, but if I'm doing that, I'm not doing it very well because we're not recording often enough. The group, though, the fans, the culture, the friends that I have made, that's been going on for years. But 
this year in particular, I think all of us together, following the new guys, following the the young squad, watching the team grow, seeing these games with friends has been an experience. Watching games and discussing it here in Discord has been next level. Just so many more people getting involved than I, new faces, new names in chat than I think we were in here very often last year. Just people kind of starting to show up and wanting to talk more about this, not just you know getting maybe bored or hearing the same headlines every time. And again, you two, you wonderful bearded brothers of mine you're both great people i love you and you're making this you're making this season uh all all it can be jesus and i'm just gonna cut it there so (laughs) anything you guys want to add besides groans and winces of of cringe no chris fell asleep (laughs) 10 minutes ago this is just the ghost of chris hanging out with us in the end i just i'm not even supposed to be here today In closing, your humble listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, as always, Chris Burkhardt and Tim Johnson. And thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. And we hope you enjoy your Blazers and your Rip City basketball and the Rip City remix and our latest episode. Please come and join the fun on the Trailcasters Discord. The link is in the episode description. Thank you again, and please come back next. Please come back to the next edition of the Trailcasters. I don't want to say week because it doesn't seem to always come out on a weekly basis. Fair enough. We'll get back there. (laughs) Chris, talk about Uh, organized chaos. I feel like that's what we are on the show. Very much so. (laughs) It's It's like most of the time it's like good cop, bad cop. You ever feel like that when we're talking with Keith? And then, and then, and then we. Wait, so it's like you two are good cop, cop, bad cop? cop. (laughs) Like bad cop, worst cop? So, so you two are the good cop, bad cop, and I'm like the 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 junkie in the witness chair. Is that what's going on? Is that the vibe of me? No, I wouldn't say you're a junkie. You're an, I'm a more, basketball more junkie. Not, more often than not, you're an innocent bystander who gets caught in the crossfire. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, awesome guys. Oh, well, yeah. I, again, I probably end this recording. Yep. Hit click on that. <laughs> <laughs>